0: through the Stubble Initiative, which was really um, designed to try and improve the profitability of the Stubble Retained Farming Systems, things that was causing problems, and that's certainly the case in the higher rainfall districts of South East New South Wales where it was probably working with at the time. So, take home messages, because that's the way these, these presentations are structured, is that nitrogen is higher can, that does reduce the, the costs can frequently be about uh, three up to half the number of hectare. The good news from all the research that CSIRO and grower groups did is that it's reasonably easily managed and that can be done by supplying more nitrogen, so feeding both as well as the plants effectively, and there's some good rules of thumb for that. Um, it can be if you're acquired earlier so you don't let crops become too efficient early in the season. And getting it away from the, the microbes that are fighting plants for it by deep banding either at some level or the micro banding as a it So, John's prepared this talk and constructed it with a little a brief introduction about immobilisation of nitrogen, uh, evidence from various long term trials that we've had that it is occurring in modern no till farming systems, and some strategies to avoid the problem. So, to the, the basics and the, the background, essentially you all grow two crops each year. One's of the ground, and that's the plant, that's your crop. And then there's another one in the soil, which is your yeah, microbial population. Um, and that's bacteria and, and fungi, and, and both of those require resources. So, they require energy, so carbon. Plants obviously get their energy to fix carbon from the sun. The, um soil um, microbiota need to get that from another source and often that's plant residue, water, warmth and nutrients. So they, they both require these things and they compete um, for the nutrients typically. So if you look at all those four sort of resources there, plants don't compete for the carbon because they're getting their own, so that's fine. Um, water, the microbes don't really use a lot. Guzzle it transpire uh, Warmth, well, there is no warmth down here anyway, so who <laughs> um, And the, the nutrients is really where the battleground is, and that's um, where they fight. Um, so people often have it in their, their minds that soil microbes are, I don't share that plants are wonderful, warm, fuzzy things, and soil microbes are actually. Little bastards, and this is what they look so like when you look at them under a microscope. That's an actual microscopic image of uh, microbes, and um, they're, they're hungry for nitrogen, basically because of their carbon-to-nitrogen ratios. And in stubble retained systems, particularly with cereal residue, you're adding a very high carbon source. So. A lot of carbon, so that's the number at the front here, and not very much nitrogen. You've got 90 units of carbon to one unit of nitrogen, and you're throwing this to, to these bastards, and they want to get it down to seven to one. So obviously you can see the ratio is very um, different, and they need more nitrogen to do that than what's in the stubble. So they steal it from the plants. So they grab it out of the out of the soil it's in in form. So um, you sort of can see this happening from time to time in the in the paddock rows and that sort of thing. And, and John sort of put in here a kind of a worst case scenario. Cereal stubbles are obviously worse because they have such a high carbon to nitrogen ratio. So um, legumes, to a lesser extent, and is it's not such an issue because the um, the ratios are such that they often don't cause any mobilisation. So, big cereal stubble, obviously, the more you have of it, the worse it is. You've got more carbon there. And if you don't have a lot of that immobilisation happening over the the summer, as in John's scenario here, and you've incorporated the stubble into the soil, so all that um, carbon is in the soil and exposed to the microbes, that's where you really have the. Um, potentially have a, a big impact because as soon as it rains and you get the moisture, you've still got some warmth, the microbial biomass really gets up and going, there's a huge carbon supply there, so it's ripping all the nitrogen it can out of the, the soil to um, support the growth. Um, but what about, so that was in the case of incorporation, but what about in a sort of modern systems where most of the stuff is actually left standing and on the surface and not directly mixed up with, with the soil. And that was really a big research gap at the start of the stubble initiative. All the experiments and research that had been done on mobilisation dominated by the way the system was dominated and it was with where stubble had been incorporated into the soil. So there were very few stubbles, very few studies in the field of surface reclaimed stubble. So that's what this project really set up to do. Um, and there are a few long-term trial sites running that um, kind of helped build the picture and, and frame the, the research. The first of these was John Kierkegaard's long site at Hardin, um, which is on the, well, more on the slopes of the plains in, in southern New South Wales, so it's a 600 millimetre rainfall country, I would say. So quite high rainfall, quite high altitude, um, so not too simple from here. Uh, more species rainfall, and, and John's been having this run for um, pushing 30 years now, so a lot of data. And there was also it used to be a long-term trial site at Wagga Wagga, which is slightly lower rainfall, but um, not worlds yeah, apart. Yeah. Um, and when John put those um, those trial sites to largely investigate conventional farming systems, so burning and cultivating versus no-till, uh, and when did John put the, um, all the results together over that period? so comparing the growing season rainfall for each year that the experiment was run versus the yield response to stubble, so whether that, that was a positive or a negative response, you got this kind of relationship whereby if growing season rainfall was less than 250 millimetres, you tended to have a neutral or a positive response to retaining stubble moisture in those situations slightly more limiting. Once you're over the sort of 250 to 300 millimetres of growing season rainfall, you got, um, in the first place, it's neutral, but then negative responses to the retainers. So you're losing yield, they're not uh, And overall of that, it's about a half ton average loss. It was done in pretty good crop sequences, so leakage certainly in canola, um, and wood establishment. Um sort of, John's sort of been working through this data trying to rule out what it was, so disease was sort of implicated at one stage just due to be the stubble, but um, the latest thinking is that it's probably due to nitrogen dial. So in those years with higher growing season rainfall, your yield potential is higher and nitrogen demands higher more likely to be efficient The um, stubble any of the stubble up it's more likely to result in the yield loss. Uh, another field site um, that CSIRO had when I was there with John was at Tamora, so that's sort of 5 30mm annual growing season range. Investigate the effects of grazing stubble and also retaining and burning it. And we um, did that in an over wheat rotation over 10 years, so and for quite a while. It was all set up on controlled traffic, so all individually fenced so we can. Raise the price. Um, and in that, we quite consistently saw a yield penalty due to retaining double, yield of any double, however you want to phrase it, um, in the second of the week. So we, our rotation was no week-week, no week-week, all the way through. And these are the, the yields for the different years. You can see that in our first week, in our canola, uh, canola We barely got a, a yield difference. And came back to our first week, but in our second week, in all the bits of it, we got a, we were losing about half a tonne net there of the yield by So we had uh, two different phases of this. So exactly the same experiment set up next door, but started in different years. And that precisely the same thing happened there. No real effect on the canola, um, but, but a strong effect in that second week, so the wheat going into, into wheat supply. Why well, the canola is not suffering a yield response, we're not exactly sure, because it's actually going into two years of wheat summer, um and in theory, as every bit is not as hungry as, as wheat. Um, and the, the obvious thing you think of is disease but we really never saw any evidence of any pathology at this trial site so if you look at the plots in spring, they looked almost identical to the other leaves spot table rice or anything like that but there was just always half a ton less yield in cereal so our current hypothesis is that maybe olive was doing something to um, modify some root environment to skew the ecology away from microbes that immobilise nitrogen. But we'll get back to that. So that was made after harvest we we grazed the vegetables. very artificial uh, very high stocking rates because we had quite a large number of sheep in a small area, so they um, did eat quite a lot of stubble and ate it very evenly. But we essentially saw the same or even a slightly exaggerated effect. So in the uh, second week, we are getting a, a yield benefit from grazing. And that was in the, the first phase and the second phase as well. And we've got reasonable evidence that um, nitrogen immobilisation is implicated in, in both cases. So these are um, starting nitrate values, nitrogen immobilisation, at sign. Uh, and you can see that after after our first week, there's a little bit of an effect, but not a grazing. But in our second week, we're getting a, a, yeah, just it, but we're getting a significant effect um, on mineral nitrogen at sowing it from the removing the sub-lider by doing the grazing. And it think grazing is more effective at increasing nitrogen mm-hmm. because you actually recycling the nitrogen in the stubble and removing the carbon. Whereas with burning, you're removing the carbon and the nitrogen together. Yeah. Um, so then, that raises the case of how do you actually manage if you are going to retain all your stubble, how do you stop this from happening, particularly in high years? So uh, John started fiddling around with a few different treatments at his hardened site over the last Couple of years, and this is merely just looking at different rates. They you know, were all applied for something, so either uh, 50 uh, or 100 kilos per hectare of applied. And you can see that in the retained system, you can. Um, well, yeah you can. Okay, let's look at the burn system first, and we'll go straight to yield. There's no nitrogen. Well, there's a very small nitrogen rate response. So 4.2 tons per hectare. 4.5. Then we go to the retain system. We get quite a decent nitrogen rate response, so 4.3 up to uh, 4.9. So the, the more extra water that we're probably saving in the sub-retain system, plus the extra nitrogen, actually uses the, the highest yield of all. And we're probably still uh, nitrogen limited. So down here, you sort of argue that maybe that's. Um, not nitrogen limited anymore, there is this one the so we're sort of getting the advantage of the extra and, water and the nitrogen. The other thing you're starting to look at is getting the nitrogen that you apply away from the, the microbes so they've got less chance to mobilize it. So that's not something you can obviously do with your natural mineral nitrogen, um, but essentially all you're doing is trying to yeah, get it away from this sort of biologically active area near yeah. the surface. Um, and where the plant roots can still get it. In fact they can get it better because the ungas went sort of more often. It's an issue in this world, but um, yeah, we just can't get it away from the plants. So and give the give the crop an advantage. So this is again at the um, at the hardened site, either Get yeah, factorial experiment, either retaining or burning and applying the nitrogen at the, the surface or deep. And what you can see is if you're, um, uh, well, actually, there isn't actually an interaction on yield, which is probably not as much to do with the, the seasonal uh, conditions. Um, but yes, yeah, putting it deep definitely gives you a. Um, an advantage over the surface in terms of uh, biomass and certainly in um, uptake, um, but it looks like it's operated pretty much well. It gives you a, a bigger advantage when you're retaining stubble. You're going up a ton of biomass compared to when you're when you're the And I think you will get the getting yeah, so the same in, in uptake. So it's a bigger advantage to big band when you're retaining stubble. Now this is quite a bit of complex research that Booker and John uh, did over the Life of the Stubble Initiative, which was trying to work out where the um, stubble actually goes, sorry, the nitrogen that goes into the stubble actually goes, and how long it uh, takes to come back. And the, the upshot here is that most of it disappears into the microbial like, pool for a very long time. But the, the way they found this out is they used the, um, isotope of, of nitrogen, 15, get you read it's labeled 15N, so you can um it in separate plots, and worked out where it all, all went. So they traced it for a, a couple of years. Then they go and sample the soil, sample the crop, and try and work out where the nitrogen that was in the stubble all ended up. Righto is this extremely complicated diagram that I'm going to kind of struggle to to explain, that sort of shows what happened. So, label stubble added at quite um, high rates with 55 kilograms of nitrogen in it. So, a little bit of it went out in grain, and a very um, and some of it's still in the the soil sowing. and then. Where I see the slide and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, a little bit of it remains in the arm and stubble. So um, yeah, only very small amounts of it get taken up by the crop. Very small amounts of it actually remain in the, the stubble, and the bulk of it goes into the soil, probably going in mineral form. So it's being immobilised. Yeah, as in the microbial biomass, um, and there we go. There's the there's the actual numbers. So, 35% of the 55 kilos that went on in stubble went into soil organic matter. Some were still in the unremoved stubble. Not very much of the, it was removed in the crop, and some was unaccounted for. So there's a an error in the sampling, or the numbers actually probably lost, so it didn't be like, Bleaching. And so the end yeah, basically very little of the stubble nitrogen went into the substitute crops, and in fact it's made up a very, very small proportion of the cropping requirement. So don't think of the stubbles as a source of nitrogen, I suppose, is the, the Okay, I'm almost there. I don't think I need to make anything else up. Um, thanks for much. Uh, stubble can immobilise N and Deal with non-decoding systems, we've seen reasonable evidence for that. Um, cereal on cereal seems to be the most risk, certainly when you've got a big carbon-rich cereal stubble, that's where the, the problems come in. You can manage it by reducing the stubble load, so grazing or late burn, adding more nitrogen, um, and possibly early and getting it away from the microbes. And the, of course, the other thing that John hasn't put here is rotation. So if you're growing a a lenuin that makes its own nitrogen, it's far less susceptible to this than um oxide of wheat which has to find its own. And that is all happy that was changed. How deep was the nitrogen fan at time? it was